Live from the Crescent City, it is The Rant with Eli. How is everyone doing today? I hope you are having a fantastic Monday. We are um, a few hours away from, uh, about two hours, I would guess, from Monday Night Football kicking off. Uh, Definitely not the best game for Monday, especially after the the Sam Darnold uh, mono injury, and then uh, also CJ Mosley on the Jets defense is out uh, is out with the injury, uh, the D, uh, as well as Quinton Williams. So that's kind of uh, turning into not a great matchup. But what I will say is this is do or die time for the Cleveland Browns. This is where we're going to learn if they are for real or are just all hype and talk. Uh, like I've said before many times, I believe that they are all hype and talk. I think there's too much turmoil. I think uh, Odell Beckham Jr. just keeps painting a bigger and bigger target on his back. Uh, You can continue to see that just with all the stuff that's been going on with the watch, uh, with him talking about Greg Williams taking dirty shots at him, uh, the fact that he's just uh, talking about the city of New York, all this stuff. Uh, It's really a shame that he's kind of taking it on himself to be the bigger figure there. And I think it's, it's either going to really, I would say it's either going to do one of two things. It's going to help him motivate him to have a really big game tonight. But I think in reality, what's going to happen is it's going to pretty much decimate uh, their gel as a team. Uh, Baker Mayfield has to have a better performance than he did uh, against the Titans last week. That is an understatement. I mean, three interceptions in the fourth quarter is not how you want to end any game at all. Again, it'll be interesting to see how Freddie Kitchens comes back from all of what has happened. Uh, 18 penalties, which, again, if you didn't listen to my show when I recapped that game, that is the most penalties the Browns have ever committed since 1956. So you go ahead and, and do the math there. That is an ungodly amount of penalties. Uh, no team should take 18 penalties in the game. Uh, I hope they, for their sake, they get on the right track. Um, I'm going to go through some other news uh, other than pre, uh, other than going through this game and uh, thinking about you know everything that transpired in uh, this game coming up, or that is about to transpire in this game coming up. I'm going to talk about the big news in the NFL that happened over Sunday's, uh, over yesterday's weeks. Uh, Jeez, can't even talk. Over yesterday's games, holy crap. Over yesterday's games, talking about what the biggest news is, the news that is trending. Uh, major news uh, hits me deeply right in um, right in my feels is uh, Ben Roethlisberger is out for the season with what they believe to be is some sort of uh, deep tissue issue in his elbow, whether that be ligaments or tendons or something. He popped something, tweaked something. He had an MRI done. The MRI uh, indicated that Surgery would be required to repair the issue. Therefore, they're shutting him down for the season. Mason Rudolph is now going to start the rest of the season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, that's pretty big news. Mason Rudolph, uh, he's a second-year guy coming out of Oklahoma State. Um, he was drafted in the third round. Everyone kind of questioned that pick. Uh, just wondering, from you know, from a Pittsburgh Steelers standpoint, is this guy going to be the next guy? If so, is he a third? Can you find a guy in the third round to be your quarterback? Not that that's never been done before, but there's things that you know issues of can quarterbacks be good that aren't drafted in the first uh, round? Can they succeed? Yes, um, evidence would suggest that is so. It's just there's less likelihood of that happening the further and further you go down in a way from the first round. 
Uh, I think Mason Rudolph's a good quarterback. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's the next coming of Dan Marino or, you know, this is the same thing that's that's going to happen with, uh, you know, Steve Young replacing a, uh, a Hall of Famer and, and all of a sudden his career uh, skyrockets. But I will say there's there's a few comparisons to be made. Um, just just things that you can look at and say, okay, that's interesting to see how all this is, is happening. So in 2004, Ben Roethlisberger's rookie year in the second game of the season, Tommy Maddox went out with an injury. Tommy Maddox was, he, he injured his elbow on his throwing arm. Again, Tommy Maddox, a lot of people are like, who the hell's Tommy Maddox? Tommy Maddox was the starting quarterback. He was, he was okay. Uh, he was a guy that the Steelers found who played in, um, the arena football league. He played in, I believe the uh, Canadian football league. They pretty much just picked him up, gave him a chance to start after he had, um, not, not, a, he had a success. He had a non-successful career in the NFL, went to arena ball. The Steelers gave him a shot because they didn't have a quarterback at the time. Um, he did make multiple playoff games for the Steelers. In fact, he went to an AFC championship game where he did ultimately get, uh, concussed and tossed out of that game. And the Titans won that game. Uh, that was about as close as Maddox ever got to getting to a Super Bowl. Uh, the couple years later, they end up going, um, you know, thinking they have a team in 2004 that can be a Super Bowl contender. Uh, Maddox gets hurt in the second game, uh, throwing elbow. He's out. In comes young Ben Roethlisberger, who then takes that team. Uh, they they He loses that game. His numbers actually in that game are eerily similar to what Mason Rudolph did on uh Sunday uh, afternoon, but the weird thing is they lose that game. And then, in the next is, is pretty much history. Uh, the history is when that's when, uh, Ben Rosberger becomes rookie of the year. He wins 14 straight games. They don't lose until they lose to the Patriots, in the AFC championship. Now I'm not going to sit here and tell you that's exactly what's about to happen. I'm just saying the circumstances are eerily similar. Uh, obviously Ben Rosberger was a first round draft pick. Mason Rudolph was not, uh, but Mason Rudolph has all the things in front of him to be successful. I'm not saying that he's going to take this team and get them to the playoffs. That is not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is the Steelers aren't dead. They're dying, but they need to find a spark, and it needs to be somebody who comes and makes plays and steps up on that team. The defense is in trouble. Offensively speaking, they have probably one of the best offensive lines in football. That is a good thing to have when you have a young quarterback who's never who only started his first NFL game yes uh, yesterday. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes forward. It'll make uh, just interesting notes for Pittsburghers and people who are Steelers fans to see what you have in Mason Rudolph. Again, everyone knows as soon as Ben Roethlisberger goes down, your hopes and dreams of playoffs and going anywhere is is quite dwindling. But it is interesting narrative nonetheless. Now, here I am in the city of New Orleans coming to you uh, live right now from the city of New Orleans. I'm in my hotel room in New Orleans, and a similar circumstance happened yesterday in the Rams-Saints game when Drew Brees goes down with a thumb injury. That thumb injury uh, has been uh, looked at via MRI. It's going to come through. He's going to need uh, he's going to need to get surgery to uh, fix. I think it's a a ligament in his thumb that is torn. He's going to have to get that fixed and he's going to be out six to eight weeks. So here you are Steelers and saints. Both these teams had had some high expectations coming into this season. And now both of them are sitting here wondering where they are moving forward. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater came in, did a pretty uh, bad job 
during that game to fill in for Drew Brees. Again, it's bad circumstances. You're on the road. You're not at home. You're in, you're in a harsh environment where the Rams are a really good team in the NFC, and you have to play them on the road without Drew Brees. Uh, you're not going to like the outcome of that game, obviously. And um, playing the Rams, the Rams defense, and and just pretty much ate Teddy Bridgewater's lunch. Uh, one thing to note, though, is there's been a lot of uh, bad um, refereeing, a lot of bad refs and calls in these games as of late. I'm not going to sit here and bitch about the ones that got uh, that I think are kind of ticky tacky involving the Steelers. I want to talk about the bigger ones. The bigger issue being uh, refs not being able to just hold their whistle. So this affected the Saints pretty badly in a game where they needed as many points as possible because this was uh, right after Drew Brees had gotten hurt. The ball gets jarred out of uh, out of uh, Jared Goff's arm. They rule it on the field uh, an incomplete pass. But they it was picked up by Cameron Jordan, and Cameron Jordan was running down the field, pretty much had no one in front of him. It was going to be an easy touchdown. Uh, what they did, though, is instead of allowing that play to just play out, they ruled it an in- incomplete pass right away and then blew the play dead right after Cameron Jordan picked up the ball. Now, by doing that, by the rule, you can't go back and undo a whistle. A whistle ends the play. So what happened was the ball came out. They blew the whistle saying it was indeed a forward pass, meaning that it was an incomplete It was an incomplete ball. But when they looked at it in the tape, they realized that the ball had gotten knocked out of his hands before Jared Goff's arm was coming through therefore deeming it a fumble, and that recovery would have resulted in a touchdown. Now, I'm sure the Saints fans are sick and tired of getting hosed by bad calls, and and that one is probably more, in my opinion, is one that's way more atrocious than the no call uh, in, in the pass interference call because it wipes off a score. So not only does it take that play that happened in the NFC Championship game last year, didn't wipe out any points, and in fact, the Saints still had a chance to win that game later down the road. I understand it was a bad call, and I've talked about that on this program before, about how I didn't like the call, and it should have been pass interference. But again, lots of teams have been hosed by bad calls before. Bad calls happen. But what I don't like is the is the inability for refs to just hold the whistle because ultimately that's their job, is to just let the play develop. You could have let Cameron Jordan run into the end zone, and then you can review it. And either way, if it's an incomplete pass or a fumble, the play has been pulled out to its full extent and the results don't change. Nothing has changed because you didn't have to blow the whistle there because if it would have been reviewed and it would have been uh, deemed to be an incomplete pass, it would have just they would have just reset the play clock, reset the game clock, gave the ball back to the Rams, and the play would have continued. But because... They blew the whistle there. It took a score off for the Saints, and the Saints had to get the ball back uh, in deep in their own territory rather than having a score in seven points on the board. When you don't have a quarterback and you need as many points as you can, that's a really shitty circumstance, and it has nothing to do with a bad call at all. Well, it's not a bad call per se. It is bad. It is bad refereeing. It is. It is not knowing when to hold a whistle and when to blow a whistle. Now. Again, I talked about it on this show a while back ago about what happened in the AFC, uh, in the 
the last game, week 17, it was uh, Baltimore, Cleveland. They were playing, Cleveland was playing for a chance to knock off Baltimore from the lead of the division. And they were also playing to try to have a winning season for the first time in a long time. Now, the other the other count to that was as a Steelers fan, I was watching that game because if the Cleveland Browns beat Baltimore, Pittsburgh was going to the playoffs that year. So later in that game, almost an exact same circumstance happened, but it was different. Exactly the same scenario by the refereeing, but different overall picture. So you had Lamar Jackson at the goal line trying to score. He leaps over the pile to then extend the ball to try to get it over the goal line. Before his, the ball crosses the plane, a Cleveland Browns defender whacks the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hands. It then tumbles through the air. It is then picked up by a Browns defensive player and then therefore picked up and ran all the way down 99 yards for a score that put the Browns ahead. But what happened is the referee blew the whistle thinking that Lamar Jackson's football in his hands had crossed the plane and therefore scored touchdown. But under further review, they realized he was nowhere near the plane and the ball was therefore a fumble because he was in midair and the ball was out of his hands and it didn't cross the plane. So Cleveland ended up getting the ball back, but it ultimately screwed them out of points. Now, this didn't make major headlines because this game really had no implications other than the fact that the winner determined who, if if the, if Baltimore won, they won the AFC North. If the Steelers won, uh, if Cleveland won, then the Steelers uh, won the AFC North. So those were the only implications. So it was really only people in the AFC watching that game, or the AFC North, rather. AFC North fans, there were implications there. But this was not majorly broadcasted and a lot of people didn't understand this or or watch that call nor was there media outrage there is media outrage for the exact same thing that is happening that happened yesterday in the Saints Rams game because that was America's game of the week and because everybody watched it but what i'm saying is regardless of the fact of who watches it or not these are multiple films now you have of referees blowing the whistle too soon on plays and it makes no sense at all let there's the same the same results okay can be discovered if you just let the play play out when the play is over all scoring plays are reviewed anyway in the case of the Lamar Jackson fumble and again all scoring plays are reviewed in New Orleans as that would have been a fumble picked up and recovered by the Saints to score a touchdown. Therefore, both of those plays would have automatically been reviewed by the rules in place in the NFL. So therefore, you do not have to blow the whistle dead at all. Let the play ride out. When the review happens, you can then see 100% if the ball was, was jarred out of the hands in the case of the Ravens before it crossed the goal line or in the case of the Rams did the Saints knock the ball out of Jared Goff's hands before his arm came forward? Both of these were found to be true cases, but you took away points off the board now for two separate teams in must-win scenarios for each one of those franchises, and especially for the Saints here, who were trying to get as many points on the board as they could because of the situation that arose with Drew Brees' injury. 
Again, I'm not saying that the Saints would have won that game because of that call. That's not what I'm saying. It's the principle of the matter of you are a professional referee in the NFL. Your job is to do the job that they put you in place to do, and that job is let things play out because we have almost a, a thousand opportunities for things to be reviewed in the NFL. It makes no sense for you to blow the whistle and blow it dead and review it when it would have been reviewed anyway, regardless of what happened on either end. And and even if you say say either one of those people gets tackled while on their way to the end zone, the Cam Jordan play or the Cleveland defensive play, that still can be reviewed. And I'm sure it will be because not only if it would be a booth review or a challengeable play, if the Rams want to challenge, say, no, 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 that wasn't a fumble, or no, 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 it was, and and so the other team challenges or vice versa. But most likely, that play is going to be reviewed regardless because the booth's going to say, hold on, we want to make sure we got the correct call. You can always go back and make the correct call, but you can't undo a whistleblow, and they should know that 100%. That's their job. So it just would make the most sense if in the NFL today, we would see a better officiating if we just let plays develop. And then at the end of the play, whether it be a turnover, whether it be an interception, whatever, then we can dictate what happened at the end. There's always time to go back and re reset everything. But a whistle, ultimately, by the way the NFL writes the rules, once a whistle happens, you can't undo what happens after a whistle. So it's 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 really terrible and, and and it ultimately pisses me off not not only because I was directly impacted by the results that took place in Cleveland in Baltimore last year but also just seeing referees who get paid to do this job just list, miss the little miscues that are the most important part of the game it's just letting things play out just letting them play football and when mistakes happen or or you make a mistake or or there wasn't the correct call on the field Ultimately, you can go back in time and reassess it. But any time that the referee's 100% responsible for taking points off the board, that that is ultimately wrong, and the NFL needs to do something about telling refs to hold whistles. It's not hard. It's just it's just allowing the play to develop and and do and anything where it looks remotely close. If you're sitting on the sidelines watching that Rams-Saints game as a referee, as the line judge or the back judge, and you see the ball pop out of Jared Goff's hands, just don't blow it dead. Just rule it a fumble on the field, let the play transpire, and then go back and get the right call, whether it be an incomplete pass or a return fumble return for a touchdown. These are simple things that you can do. Again, if the results of the play would have been vice versa and it was ruled an interception, even though Cameron Jordan ran all the way down the field and scored a touchdown, that's not going to do anybody any harm. You're just going to go review it and you're going to say, oh, no, 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 his arm was coming forward. It was an incomplete pass. No one's going to be mad about it. They're going to be like, man, that's a tough break for the Saints. Almost got one, right? But, but ultimately, you create the problem, the NFL, when you tell your referees to blow whistles before they're, they're needed. Because it's not needed. It, it, it is so ridiculous and it is ultimately so dumb. And the NFL has has a really bad stigma right now on them with their refereeing. And, and now the Saints not only had a problem with the clock in week one where they got screwed out of about, I think, 30 seconds, basically, uh, on the in the first half, which ultimately, ultimately could have cost them the game, but it didn't. They ended up winning that game in week one. But it, it, these things shouldn't happen. These guys make... Uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes millions of dollars, 
To be referees in the NFL, they should be the top pinnacle, the most elite at the league, and the league should be able to tell them uh, how the officiating needs to be done in order not to affect the game. Their, their job is not to affect games. Their job is just to make sure the game is played under the rules set forth by the league, and that is it. When they do things like this, it ultimately impacts a game negatively, and I don't want to see it. You don't want to see it. Nobody in, in the world of sports wants to see it because now I'm forced to look through my Twitter and see hundreds of articles about people who are pissed off about the Saints, again, getting butchered on a horrible call. But I just want everyone to know that I, that this this is a you know the the thing that the media gets wrong is it's because it's a big organization the Saints and then, then it happened again in a game where everyone was watching right but other teams get screwed on bad calls too and, and this isn't me saying you know that the Saints are just bullied and no I think that, that they've been impacted negatively and, and it sucks that they've been hit back to back with this but this isn't just a Saints problem this is a league wide problem there were clock problems all last week not only in the Saints games but in other games too. And like I said before, this whole holding the whistle thing has affected other teams negatively, and it needs to be addressed. There needs to be a meeting. The NFL has to call these referees in, and it's becoming a nightmare. As well as this pass interference call thing, it's becoming a real nightmare because you've opened Pandora's box. And I said this on this show way before the NFL season started. I said, once you do this, you can't go back. And, and, and now what you have is you have the inability to understand. It's just like the catch rule of, of a couple years ago where we had no idea what a catch was and wasn't. We are now getting to that point with pass interference calls. We are seeing pass interference calls where you dissect the letter of the rule. So you pull up the article of, you know, of chapter verse in the NFL rules where it says what pass interference is. And then if anything that you just saw remotely resembles that, then you then you classify it pass interference instead of just saying if it's egregious or not because that was the whole point of the rule being adapted in the first place. I understand and, and and I went on a limb and said it was a bad idea to begin with, but what happened was you had an egregious pass interference call that was not called, and there wasn't just the one that happened in the MC Championship. There were lots last year, but now you are getting pass interference challenged and called on plays where it's not necessarily egregious where it's little subtle pulls on jerseys or the guy had his hand around him and it didn't negatively impact his ability to catch the ball, but he did in fact have a hand on him while he was trying to catch the ball. So the letter of the rule, then you're looking at it, you're looking at it chapter verse and you're, and you're dissecting that and you're saying, okay, yes, that technically falls into this letter of what we're trying to do. But really that defeats the whole purpose of why you built the rules in the first place, because it was just to get calls where you think you got screwed right. So if it was an egregious pass interference call, they they missed, right? Like everyone, that's the whole thing that we talked about, right? Is the casual fan in the NFL knew that every, you don't even have to be a, a legit Rams fan or Saints fan. Everyone in the world who's a casual NFL fan knew that that was pass interference and knew that play was illegal just by looking at it. That's the thing that we're supposed to fix. We're supposed to fix the ones that are 100% egregious not the ones that are ticky-tacky, not the ones where I can dissect it, look at it in slow motion, look at it for five minutes and be like, okay, maybe because his arm was here and he was standing there, then that's pass interference. No, 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 no. That's only going to slow the game down even more than it already is, is slow. And it's just going to make everything pass interference. Because by the letter of the law, if you look at every single big play catch where a player has to adjust to the ball 
and there's a defender on him, almost every time offensive pass interference or defensive pass interference could be called. And I said this before on this show a long, long time ago. I said it. And now we've seen it. I, I saw it happen multiple times on Sunday. This is Pandora's box. It is now open. You cannot close it. I understand the NFL said, oh, this is a trial rule and it's a trial period. No, 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 no. It's not trial rule and trial period, okay? This is exactly like World War II, okay? And I know everyone's going to be like, what when I say this? World War II happened, okay? They implemented taxes for citizens. There wasn't supposed to be as high as tax rate as there was, but everyone had to pitch in because it was World War II and the government needed money and the government needed bonds, right? And they said after the war, it was going to go away. Guess what? We still pay taxes, high, high federal taxes. And the war has, World War II has been over for years and years and years. This is what's happening with the NFL and this pass interference rule. They say it's a year trial, and we're going to see if we like it or not. They already know they're never taking it away. It is written in stone. No one will be for taking it away. They will only be for having it. It's only going to slow the game down, and it only makes what you can't, what you understand as pass interference only more skewed because it's just like the catch rule. They need to simplify it or they need to get rid of it altogether. That's my personal opinion. And you can like it, you can hate it, you can do whatever you want. But ultimately, when you looked at what the catch rule was just two or, two or three years ago, we had no idea what the hell a catch was, right? You look at a catch and you're supposed to be with your own two eyes, be able to, yes, he caught that ball. No, he didn't catch that ball. But all of a sudden, we went way down deep in chapter verse in the NFL rule book to establish what a catch was. And now we still kind of don't really know what a catch is. is a football move. What's a football move? Well, a football move is when you put your foot here and this is that and there is this and the ball's here. Like, there's too many damn rules instead of just saying, listen, we know what a catch is, right? Right. It, it's like that old, uh, God, I can't even think whose quote it is. It's quoted all the time, like political thing, right? Like, well, you know, it's like pornography. You just know it when you see it, right? That's the way, that's the way the, the catch rule, pass interference rules all should be, right? You just know what it is when you see it. I know what a catch is when I see it. I don't need a whole big definition to tell me what it is. When a guy grabs a ball, catches it, and has it in his hands, that's a catch. Or when a guy gets mauled who's trying to catch a ball, or a guy gets absolutely pushed off of when he's trying to catch a ball, right? Those are penalties that should be easily viewed from everyone. But when you have to stop play and review something for five minutes to try to look at it and see if it is or isn't, then that you're wasting my time, you're wasting the viewer's time, and ultimately you're getting the call wrong because it should be only egregious calls on either side. Egregious calls on either side that get called. No more of this ticky-tacky nonsense that everything's reviewable or everything should be looked at because it's ultimately just, it, you're judging a judgment call, and I told you from day one, if you listen to me on this program, I told you judging a judgment call was a terrible, terrible, terrible thing to start. But now, like I said, it's out, the cat's out of the bag. You can't put it back in. We're we're in this. We're stuck in this rut. Anyway, again, I got a few more minutes here, so let me know what you guys think about the game tonight. What your predictions are on uh, uh, Jets Browns? I'm pretty sure uh, I'm take. I would take Cleveland, but they're definitely favored. Um, I think Cleveland wins this game. I just don't see Trevor Simeon and uh, the Jets being able to really push around. Uh, the Cleveland defense, I think the Cleveland defense is better, just barring off of the injuries that the Jets have on the defensive side of the ball. I don't see how they can really establish anything unless they can really get uh, the ball moving uh, via run and via the short pass game with Le'Veon Bell. That's about the Jets' only hope in getting a win in New York. 
Uh, again, I think all this stuff with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. makes him uh, really hungry to get a lot of catches and put on a show for all the people back in New York City. Uh, the city who he views hates him and doesn't like him anymore and shipped him out of town and this, that, and whatever. So the, it's it's you know it's it could be one of those games where just Odell wants to go show off and then you know he quiets back down afterwards. I don't know. We'll definitely have to see. Uh, my big thing is watch the coaching here. Watch uh, watch Freddie Kitchens rebound and try to get this team together because that's what he has to do if the Browns are going to be successful. He can't allow what happened on uh, last Sunday to to continue to go on in Cleveland or they will be in shambles for the rest of the season. Anyway, guys, thanks a lot for listening. I appreciate um, everyone who um, has listened to the podcast, shared the podcast, uh, and uh, commented or texted me, messaged me, uh, liked me on Twitter, whatever. Continue to do that. You can follow me on Twitter at the Rant Eli. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at the Rant with Eli. You can email me at the Rant Eli at gmail.com. Please let me know what you guys thought about this this whole uh, NFL weekend. What you guys think is happening in the future? Uh, what are your guys' predictions? What do you guys feel like? Um, what the NFL uh, playoff picture or, or not so much playoff picture, but just contenders and power rankings, all that. I don't really go into that whole detail, but you guys can hit me up and let me know what you guys think about all of that. And I will happily dive into that again. Let me know if you like the show, if you hate the show, um, if you want more of something else, you want more, uh, want me to answer some questions that you guys have about anything NFL related, please let me know and hit me up again. Thank you so much for everyone who's supporting me. I'll be in New Orleans, uh, New Orleans all week, and I'll be trying to bring you guys a new episode every day. If you're in New Orleans, hit me up, and I'll try to do some uh, Saints stuff for the New Orleans fans. Or if uh, you just want to hear some more football talk, please continue to hit me up on social media. Thanks again, guys. Have a good one, and I'll see you when I see you.